Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. And a very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia. And as always, it is a great joy for me to be here with you, as the Lord allows us this time, every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, live at 4 p.m. And I am coming to you live today on this July 22nd, the Feast of St. Mary Magdalene. Um, And uh, if you're listening live at 4 o'clock, also coming to you live on all of our platforms today, all of our audio platforms, of course, and also our live streaming video on our YouTube page, our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash domesticchurchmedia, facebook.com slash domesticchurchmedia, also streaming live video on our homepage at domesticchurchmedia.org. So you can watch the program uh, if you uh, so desire. And uh, today, of course, Wednesday, um, there are no general audiences in July and August, Holy Father goes on hiatus from the general audiences. First of all, it's so hot in Rome these two, these two months. Uh, you can't get, and especially these days with the COVID situation, you can't get people in the square. And uh, he doesn't even have them over at uh, St. Paul the Sixth Hall. Uh, so anyway, so what I thought we would do today, I actually um, would like to go back to, and we started this a couple of weeks ago maybe, um, 1981, a beautiful apostolic exhortation by the then Pope, now Saint Pope John Paul II, Familiaris Consortio, on the family. It was a, an exhortation that the Holy Father uh, gave us following a, a 1980 synod uh, on the family. And interesting, this is 40 years ago the synod took place, 39 years ago that the Holy Father gave us this beautiful exhortation. Today I thought I would share with you some of what is in the exhortation listed as part three, the role of the Christian family. So we'll see what Holy Father taught 39 years ago on the role of the Christian family then in 1981. Hard. I say that, that this is 39 years ago. I vividly remember 1981, so my goodness. Anyway, and then also... Uh, this past weekend, you know, it was, it's been so hot. Nobody really goes outside unless you're submerged in some type of cool water. But uh, Cheryl and I were sitting around Saturday morning and said, well, we certainly can't go out. Uh, what should we do? And um, we each decided we had a little, a little project. She had a particular project. My project then was to go down into the basement where, you know, when I first started uh, radio, uh, I created a little basement studio down there, and my job was to go down there and start sorting things out. And I was I have all kinds of uh, my first uh, um, chore, so to speak, was to 
gather all the wires that I have down there, adapters and switches and things. And I called, I texted my engineer here at the studio, and I said, uh, I have these things. Should I bring them in? He said, Bring them. We'll, we'll put them in the cabinet. We may be able to use them one day. Anyway, but in my in my um, doing that, my my I have a wonderful cousin. Um, who comes here and helps out at the Radiothon every year, uh, Will. Uh, but he, there was a time there where he knew somebody who, I don't know where he was getting all these things, but uh, um, Archbishop Sheen memorabilia. And I found this down there among many other materials, but from October 1952, it was a little booklet, like a weekly, a weekly booklet on television it listed like a, like a TV guide type of thing, but it also had articles in it, and uh, like there's a picture of Ozzy and Harriet, so this is an old thing, but the cover was Archbishop Sheen, and it, it, and it's the title of the article in within this book is called The Seven Deadly Sins of Our Time, 1952, so I want to share some of that with you as well. Um, so I'll put it back in its protected envelope. 1952 is a long time ago. I won't mention anybody I know who was born in that year. Of course, I was born after 1952, so <laughs> just two years later. But let's pray, my friends, uh, first and foremost. And um, we're praying now the prayer for the United States of America, this beautiful prayer that was prayed at the dedication and consecration of the National Shrine of the Immaculate uh, Conception uh, in Washington, D.C. in 1959. So I guess we're going back to the 50s now. Uh, but this beautiful prayer, uh, I, we have put it on, if you're watching uh, on uh, our YouTube or Facebook, uh, we've put it on a 4 by 6 card, laminated, and we want to send them to you. And I'll tell you how you can do that. But first, let's pray the prayer then we'll also pray our subtum presidium prayer uh, to our Blessed Mother uh, and also our prayer to St. Michael, Holy Father, requested two years ago. We pray those prayers every day to protect the church from the attacks of the devil. So we'll start with the prayer for our country. Um, and again, our country needs prayer. And I, I've said it, and I said it again yesterday, I do believe that we need to see divine intervention in our current situation here in the United States. There is so much evil that is manifesting itself in so many different ways. Um, we need our Lord to step in. So we do this invoking the intercession of our Blessed Mother under the title of the Immaculate Conception, which, and she is the patroness of our country under that title. So let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Most Holy Trinity, our Father in heaven, who chose Mary as the fairest of your daughters, Holy Spirit, who chose Mary as your spouse, God the Son, who chose Mary as your mother, in union with Mary, we adore your majesty and acknowledge your supreme, eternal dominion and authority. Most Holy Trinity, we put the United States of America into the hands of Mary Immaculate in order that she may present the country to you. Through her, we wish to thank you for the great resources of this land and for the freedom which has been its heritage. 
through the intercession of Mary, have mercy on the Catholic Church in America. Grant us peace. Have mercy on our president and on all the officers of our government. Grant us a fruitful economy born of justice and charity. Have mercy on capital and industry and labor. Protect the family life of the nation. Guard the precious gift of many religious vocations. Through the intercession of our mother, have mercy on the sick, the tempted, sinners, on all who are in need. Mary, Immaculate Virgin, our mother, patroness of our land, we praise you and honor you and give ourselves to you. Protect us from every harm. Pray for us that acting always according to your will and the will of your divine Son, we may live and die pleasing to God. Amen. And we'll pray our prayer to St. Michael and also the Subtum Presidium prayer to Blessed Mother, as Holy Father requested, to protect the Church from the attacks of the devil. So we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. The God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. And we pray, Saint Mary Magdalene, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, my friends, as always, I thank you for praying. Now, as I said, we have put this prayer for the United States on a beautiful 4 by 6 card, laminated, nice glossy finish there, uh, designed by our Emily Italia, our graphic artist here, who uh, volunteers so beautifully and helps us out when we need stuff like this done. And I ordered 5,000 of them, and we want to send them to you for free because we want, number one, you to pray this prayer for our country especially as we move forward toward, uh, towards the general election uh, in November, but also to share it, to bring it, give it to people. You know, I'll order another 5,000 if I have to. I hope that would be a good thing to do. If we can give away 5,000, it means we need another 5,000. I'm happy to do that. Um, but you can request them. Okay, so go to our website. They're free. There's no charge. We even pick up the postage. Go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org, domesticchurchmedia.org. And up on the top of the page there, you'll see a scrolling banner with different things. Uh, eventually, there's a, 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 an American flag with um, uh, hands in prayer. Just click on that banner, and it takes you to the order page. Or uh, on our website, up on the top, there are different... Um, options, and one of them is prayer. Just scroll your cursor over the word prayer, and a, a drop-down menu drops down out of that uh, section there, and you can click on prayer for the United States, and it'll take you to the request uh, page. We just ask you for your name, your address, and how many you want. Um, 
so we're, we have no problem with you ordering multiple copies, um, just within reason, because, you know, it does, we do have to pay the postage. But um, uh, we've gotten so many already requests, which is great. People asking for 10, 15, 20, that's fine. We'll get them out to you. They're free. There's no charge. Just pray it and spread the word and give them out and have everybody else pray this prayer to our Blessed Mother. We need divine intervention right now in this country. You, as well as I, all you have to do is watch the news and see what's going on. Uh, yet last night, what were there, 17 people shot in Chicago uh, outside of a funeral home. Um, we hear about the, the shootings of children, babies. We see the social unrest. We, we see what the pandemic is doing what the COVID is doing to our people, the division in our country. And division comes from the great divider, that being Satan himself. Uh, You know, we're not denying that the, the, the virus is real. Of course, we know the virus is real. But our reaction responses and how we interact with each other, our responsibilities toward each other, there's so much confusion and that, too, comes right from Satan himself. And all of this is snowballing and toward the general election. And we need this country to stay on the direction upon which it was founded, basic Judeo-Christian values, and, and that every single citizen in this country has the right Uh, to pursue happiness, life, and liberty. And we just see there's just so much uh, um, violence. There's so much division, anger. Uh, So anyway, we're going to go to our Blessed Mother, who is our patroness of this country under the title of of the Immaculate Conception, and pray this prayer. So order your copies. They're free. All you have to do is go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org, uh, scroll over the prayer option, the little drop-down menu uh, comes down. You click on prayer for the U.S. and, and uh, click it and give us your name, address, and how many you want. No charge. We're even paying the postage because we think this is so important. We want our domestic church media family to become one enormous prayer cell praying for our country. So please join us in this. Order your prayers today. They're free. It doesn't cost you a cent. We just ask that you Please pass them out. The prayer is right here. It's beautiful, uh, laminated, four-by-six car, six card, and uh, we, we need it. We need it desperately in this country. So we will also, today, Sharon and I recorded the prayer, and you're going to hear it being prayed regularly uh, on the station as well. We just got to storm heaven uh, and, and ask for the Lord to, to place his hand, uh, because it will be only by divine intervention that this country is saved. We have to go back to God. We have to go back once again to trusting in God. And, you know, there are, there are factions out there that even want to take that off of our currency in God we trust. Uh, we've seen over the past number of, of generations now uh, people who, in fact, it was shortly after, I would say, this is 1959 that this prayer was written uh, and the dedication of the National Basilica of the Immaculate Conception was done don't you know that it was in the 19, I think it was 1960 where um, uh, Margaret what was it, Margaret Murray O'Hare 
was behind taking prayer out of the schools. So, so right after this, there's a battle going on, my friends. There's a battle out there, a spiritual battle that has been uh, obviously raging since the fall. Uh, not, I don't mean the season. I mean the fall, <laughs> the, the fall of man. And uh, we're in the middle of it. And are we in the end times? Listen, we've been in the end times since uh, our Lord ascended into heaven. Uh, we've been there. We're just because once our Lord ascended into heaven, the next uh, um, part of salvation history is our Lord returning. <laughs> so we've been in the end times waiting for his return since that day. Um, are we seeing what we're seeing today as a chastisement? You know, I don't think God has to chastise the world. I think we're doing that to ourselves. The things we do to ourselves, the, the sin that is rampant and, and widely accepted and, 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 and uh, perpetuated, we're seeing through immorality, through uh, agnosticism, atheism, socialism, Marxism, all the isms out there, communism. And I'm going to share something with you. Um, as I said, the second half of the program, it's this, this little little booklet that I found. I was given to my, by my cousin, who he always always so good about sending me Archbishop Sheen paraphernalia. This is a little booklet, a news weekly called Quick. Q-U-I-C-K. It cost 10 cents back in uh, October of 1952, which is the date on the magazine. On the back of it, there's a, a lady. <laughs> can you, if you're watching, can you see this? A lady with a shotgun and a dog. Looks like she's hunting. And a pack of cigarettes. Uh, old golds. <laughs> Times have changed, haven't they? Anyway, um, it includes TV listings inside, and there there were different sections to this little magazine. Is this News Weekly? Uh, what people are saying, so quotes from famous people, their little news items, um, and then they had sections on because um, the TV listings are in there. And let's see what was on Ozzy and Harriet that week. Uh, well, doesn't give the, uh, anyway, it also included in there is a section on food. There was a section on, uh, for women only, but then there was a section on religion in this book, in this little booklet magazine. It looked like a little TV guide. And on the cover is our friend, Archbishop Sheen. I'll show that to you. If you can see that on the screen there called quick Archbishop Sheen. There you go. If you're watching, you see it. Um, and the article was uh, the seven deadly sins of our time. And it was an interview with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen in this secular magazine. Um, interesting things that Archbishop noted and um, recognized in 1952 to be the seven deadly sins of the time. So we're talking almost 70 years ago. But we'll get to that second half of the program. I, I do want to go to a little bit of Holy Father St. Pope John Paul II's 
apostolic exhortation, Familiaris Consortio, on the family. As I said, in 1980, there was a synod of bishops who gathered uh, to discuss the role of the, the family in the modern world. And as a result of that synod 40 years ago, in 1981, Pope John Paul II released Familiaris Consortio, the role of the family in, in the modern world. And the third part of this exhortation specifically addressed the role of the Christian family. And as I was reading this, and I read this many, many, many years ago, um, probably read it uh, maybe 1993, 94, around that time, when I began my uh, journey, I guess, the Lord was leading me on, and I began to read papal documents. And I really had never read them before. But, uh, of course, John Paul II was our Holy Father at the time, so I began reading a lot of the—I read the the, um, Splendor of Truth, his his encyclical letter. And there was another uh, wonderful document on the role of the laity, Christe Fidelis Laici, uh, on the role of the lady, which really inspired me. But then there was also this one on the family, because we were raising our family at the time. Our children were little uh, in 1983. Uh, we had a, our, Joseph was, I guess, four. <laughs> Angel was two. And Anthony was just born in 92. So um, this this really held my attention. But there, this particular section, part three, the role of the Christian family speaks to... Uh, all uh, families, and Holy Father wrote this. He said, The family finds in the plan of God, the Creator and Redeemer, not only its identity, what it is, but also its mission, what it can and should do. John Paul wrote, The role that God calls the family to perform in history derives from what the family is. He wrote, its role represents the dynamic and existential development of what it is. Each family finds within itself a summons that cannot be ignored and that specifies both its dignity and its responsibility. And then he wrote, and this became a catchphrase that was often used when, when talking about John, uh, John Paul II's love for his people, family, become what you are. Now, we think about family life back in 1980 compared to family life here in the year 2020, 40 years later. Has it changed? Well, we've seen society and culture try to redefine what family is. And John Paul very clearly said that the role that God calls the family to perform in history derives from what the family is. Its role represents the dynamic and existential development of what it is. Each family finds within itself a summons that cannot be ignored and that specifies both its dignity and its responsibility. Accordingly, John Paul wrote, the family must go back to the beginning of God's creative act if it is to attain self-knowledge and self-realization in accordance with the inner truth not only of what it is but also of what it does in history 
And he wrote, and since God's plan, it has been established as an intimate community of life and love. So think about that, family. An intimate community of life and love. Um, You know, as we get older, uh, for me anyway, as I get older, I find myself reminiscing a lot now. You know, majority of my life is behind me than ahead of me. And I look back over the course of my life and how we raised our children and the times we had. And, and you know, are you like me? I, whenever I hear a particular song or I'm at a particular place, my mind goes back to another time in my life where it had significance and brings me back to that location. This time of year, uh, you know, summertime here in, in, uh, uh, in, on the East Coast, in Jersey, uh, most of us have very, very fond memories, don't we, of the Jersey Shore, perhaps, whether it had been a, a day trip or a vacation, a prolonged vacation with our children, with our families, and things that, that, that just kind of uh, remind, this reminds us of those, those days, those times. Or we get to particular holidays or uh, birthdays, and we remember those times on who we are as family an intimate community of life and love. And then John Paul said the family has the mission to become more and more what it is, that is to say, a community of life and love in an effort that will find fulfillment as will everything created and redeemed in the kingdom of God. Looking at it in such a way as to reach its very roots we must say that the essence and role of the family are in the final analysis specified by love. Hence, the family has the mission to guard, reveal, and communicate love. And this is a living reflection of and a real sharing in God's love for humanity and the love of Christ for the Lord, uh, sorry, and the love of Christ the Lord for the church, his bride. So again, to define the family as this intimate community of life and love and the family's mission, John Paul wrote, is to guard, reveal, and communicate that love. You know, over and above everything else, and as our, again, I'm only speaking personally as as. Uh, parents, you know, who now are becoming grandparents, and we're thanking God for the great gift of our uh, two little grandchildren that we have with us right now, and our little third little grandchild who's going to, who's uh, safely tucked in his or her mommy's womb right now, and is going to come into this uh, world on uh, in October. We're just praying that everything, you know, everybody stays healthy and. It's a very strange time to be uh, in that situation, I know, but we have uh, been very blessed. Uh, and and, we, and it, as you see your family grow like that, and there's, as I said, you know, someone, we talk about being a grandparent and, and love that grandparents have. I, I It, it kind of came to me one day as I was playing with my grandchildren, although we haven't really seen them <laughs> uh, lately because of the virus situation. We did see them once 
behind masks and things. But anyway, it's like you have this love in you that you don't even know you have that all of a sudden manifests itself when the grandchildren come. There's a brand new wave of love that was stored up somewhere in your being that now comes out and expresses itself in your grandparenthood. Uh, beautiful. Because it just, again, reveals, as Holy Father said, as part of what the family is, this beautiful, intimate community of life and love. And there's never a lack of love. There's always enough to keep going around. We used to tease my mom. You know, I have uh, three sisters and a brother. There were five of us in our family growing up. And uh, I used to always kind of try to get my mom to admit that I was her favorite <laughs> in front of my other siblings. She says, come on, Ma, you know I was her favorite. Tell everybody, I was your favorite child. And she goes, you can't have any favorites. <laughs> There's a special kind of love for each child, right? You know that. Those of you who have uh, been blessed with children, you know that there's, you just can't love one child more than the other. You may like one more than the other. No, no, no. You can't love them more. They're all the same. You know, you love your children. And it's just part of who we are as family. And this is what the Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul II, writes, is that it's this beautiful, intimate community of life and love, and it's our mission as family. Our mission to express this, to give witness to it, uh, to, to uh, reveal to and communicate that love to everybody as family. This is why there's such an attack on the family. But because by its very definition, this this intimate community of life and love, the, the devil can't stand that. He hates life. He hates love. <laughs> and the family in this uh, beautiful, intimate expression of that, he wants to destroy that. Just a little bit of a snippet. You know, if you want to read this, it's a beautiful document. Familiaris Consortio is the name. Go to the Vatican website, www.vatican.va. Click on the John Paul II section and then go to Apostolic Exhortations, 1981, Familiaris Consortio. All right, when I come back, hey, listen, this interview with Bishop Sheen, 1952, from this magazine called Quick, um, The Seven Deadly Sins of Our Time, 1952. We'll see how it compares today. Stay where you are, my friends. There's more to come on Come to Me. What's your name? My name is Becky. I'm from Wisconsin. I was away from the church for over 20 years, ah. and through the grace of God, have come back now. Thank you, Jesus, welcome home. Hello. Hello. Where are you from? Florida. Good. And what's your question? Well, I have this wonderful gift that God gave me, and that's my sister. Mornings with Mother Angelica. There's none better. Weekdays at 10, right here where you are family. Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Here is Mother Angelica speaking about Catholic Radio. There's 6 billion people, and we got to reach them all. It's people like you, radio stations like your own. And I hope sincerely that people will support you because we need Catholic Radio. We need Catholic television. And if we don't have it, we shall answer to God for that. 
because we are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. We're bound by that. Won't you help us spread the good word by praying for us and by making a tax-deductible gift payable to Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628, or by going to our website, wfjs.org, and making a secure online donation using your Visa or MasterCard. Please contact us today. God love you. We need Catholic Radio. We are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. Sin divorces us from God until we pay. We have to pay. Some people pay for everlasting punishment because they will not ask forgiveness. And some people pay in purgatory because they never use this life to cleanse their souls. You know, I look upon every difficulty. I try. Don't they always make it? But I try to make every difficulty an opportunity. Some difficulties make you humble. Some make you forgive, which makes it pleasing to God. Our dear Lord himself said on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Have you ever said that to your neighbor when you forgave them? The people you know and trust are on EWTN. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the gospel, communicating hope, on these domestic church media stations. From Bristol to Browns Mills. Shrewsbury to Solbury. Silverdale to Seagirt. Southampton to Seaside Heights. From Lawrenceville to Leonardo. Proclaiming the joy of the gospel on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Welcome back, uh, friends. Happy to have you here on this sweltering July 22nd, 2020. Um, Feast of St. Mary Magdalene. We're going to go to an interesting article from 1952. Uh, this little booklet called Quick. Again, if you're watching, see if you if you watch the show on, on, uh, on YouTube or Facebook, you get these visuals I can show you picture of the cover, because look who's on the cover of this book here. Our friend Archbishop Fulton Sheen, there he is, showing it right to the camera. There's Archbishop Sheen, 1952. And I just saw it's, it, in this booklet, it's a news weekly. It's not really a, a TV magazine. It's really a news weekly. Um, and, uh, but it's, there's a little section now. It says, it, it, this one, it actually, actually says 
in the belief that television will be increasingly important as an entertainment and information medium, Quick, that's the name of the magazine, is adding a new service for its readers in the greater New York area. These 32 additional pages of complete and concise television news, special features, and program listings. So it was adding TV because they felt back in 1952 that that television would be an increasingly important uh, form of entertainment and information. (laughs) Well, they got that right. I don't know how good it is, but... But I saw, there's something, if I could find it real quick before we get to Bishop Sheen, because I, I remember some of this stuff. Um, I'm going to find it real quick. I probably could, I should have marked it off here, but it was the top children's television programs in 1952. And the sad thing is, I remember most of them. <laughs> uh, well, if I mark it, I didn't mark it off. We'll get to, let's see. Yeah, I should have marked it off. I thought it was uh, there. Oh, here it is. Top the top children's shows. This is in the New York metro area, which you know the channels you had were two, four, five, seven, nine, eleven, and thirteen. Right. Time for Beanie. I don't remember that one. The Gabby Hayes Show. I remember that. Howdy Doody. Who could forget? Um, Rudy Kazuti was another one. I remember that one. The Merry Mailman, remember that. Children's Theater, I don't remember that. Big Top, I think I remember that. Mr. Wizard, In the Park, Kukla, Fran, and Ollie, I remember that. Uh, Zoo Parade and Super Circus, those were the children's programs, top children's shows in 1952 in the New York area. Anyway, this magazine, what struck me was, of course, on the cover was our friend Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, 1952. Uh, an article entitled The Seven Deadly Sins of Our Time. And it was more of a Q&A with Archbishop Sheen in the religion section. They gave a little history of, of Sheen here. His Excellency, Excellency, the Most Reverend Fulton J. Sheen, Auxiliary Bishop of New York, U.S. Director of the Society for the Propagation of the Faith. Um, I guess at this time he was 57 years old. One famous professor of philosophy at Catholic U in Washington. He has excelled as an instructor of Catholic converts. Uh, Henry Ford II was a convert as a result of Sheen, Grace Moore, and ex-communist Louis Boudens. He's written over 50 books, and this is 1952, uh, among the bestseller Peace of Soul, P-E-A-C-E of Soul, a regular speaker for over 22 years on radio's Catholic Hour, Bishop Sheen last year created his one-man Dumont television program, Life is Worth Living, and it's going to return in mid-November for the second year. So <laughs> we're talking 1952. Um, but I, the interview with, with Sheen... Um, I'm just going to read you the interview. It's a Q&A. And this is, again, almost 70 years ago. The question to Archbishop Sheen was, what sins, Bishop Sheen, do you think are most prevalent today, 1952? Here's Bishop Sheen's answer. There are no new sins. There are only new sinners. 
Sins are always the same. The seven deadly sins, which may be called the seven pallbearers of character. Pride, avarice, envy, lust, anger, gluttony, and sloth. Sheen said, every sin is either an excess or a defect of what is good. Thus, pride is an overinflated admiration of oneself. Lust is an inordinate love of pleasures of the flesh. The important word here being inordinate. Sloth is a malady of the will, he said. And the question the interviewer said, do these sins take new forms? And Sheen said again, this is 1952, in the modern world, some sins have taken on disguises. Thus, pride hides under the prettier names of success or popularity. Avarice wears such tags as thrift, security, and drive, and lust appears as self-expression. And the interviewer asks, which sin, which, which sin, Bishop Sheen, would you say is most difficult to overcome in our day? 1952, remember? All sins can be overcome by an effort of the will cooperating with the grace of God. I love that. Think about that. Think about, I'm kind of making my little own editorial comment here, but think about that. There are particular sins I think we all commit <laughs> that may be habitual. Gossip. Holy Father, Pope Francis is big on that. But how do you overcome them? Bishop Sheen, all sins, all sins can be overcome by an effort, number one, effort, you got to try, of the will cooperating with the grace of God. We need God. We need his grace. And Sheen said, perhaps you mean which sin most hardens people against the deeper impulses of religion? So now he's getting in pretty deep with the interviewer. And the interviewer says, well, what's the answer to that question? <laughs> this is Bishop Sheen's response. The sin of avarice. Our Lord said, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is the cleanest of all the sins because it can be disguised as foresight or security. There is no sin in accumulating worldly goods unless that accumulation becomes the end toward which we shape our lives. Think about that. There is no sin in accumulating worldly goods unless that accumulation becomes the end toward which we shape our lives. He said, the sin arises when we carry this to excess. When we make the accumulation of riches the false, infinite in place of God and refuse to consider ourselves as trustees of the material blessings of God. And the questioner said, is avarice in individuals confined to capitalism? Remember, these are the days of 
the uh, Soviet Union and, and, and communism becoming very, very uh, powerful in the world. He said, no, it exists in a communist society as well. The communists hate capitalism, not because they consider wealth an evil, but because they envy the wealthy. Every communist is a capitalist without any cash in his pockets. <laughs> That's a great Sheen quote I never heard before, but how true. Every communist is a capitalist without any cash in his pockets. And the interviewer asked, would you say avarice might be called a mass sin of our times? And Bishop Sheen said, sins are in the individual before they are in the masses. Nothing ever happens to the world that does not first happen in the minds of men. And then the interviewer asked, what is the most important mass evil of our times? What do you think he said? 1952. What is the most important mass evil of our time? Well, in 1952, Bishop Sheen said, communism. Up until now, atheism was an individual phenomenon, but it has given social structure and political status under communism. Communism is the forcible organization of the chaos it created by revolution and class conflict. The cement of a communist society is hate. The bricks are persons reduced to the levels of clay, and its architect is the devil who inspires the tyrannization of man through the exile of God. Boy, think about where we are today, what we are seeing and witnessing. All you have to do is watch the news every night. Now, because I'm going to read this again. This is 1952. And the talk of, of where some people, individuals, politicians think the direction we should take and what we see happening in our streets. 1952, Bishop Sheen was asked, what is the most important mass evil of our time? And his immediate response was, communism. And interesting how he defines it. Up until now, atheism was an individual phenomenon, but it's given a social structure and political status under communism. And again, listen to his definition of communism and just look what's going on today. This is almost 70 years ago. Communism is the forcible organization of the chaos it created by revolution and class conflict. Are we seeing that in our streets today? Are we seeing that in our culture, in our society? Are we seeing that as part of our political discussion? The cement of a communist society is hate. What's the one thing we see so prevalent in our world today? In so many areas of life, even, you know, it's so sad because 
as I mentioned to you uh, yesterday, I think, uh, I, I, you know, I, I know many priests and pastors had discussion with one recently who said that there is a even division within parishes over who's wearing masks, who's not wearing masks. Why are they sitting so close to me? And this, and again, we're not saying, we're not denying that the, the coronavirus exists or that it's a very serious situation, very, very serious illness and situation, disease. But it's how we're responding to it. We've become so suspicious of each other to the point where we can literally, we see, we hear, we read about fights and arguments and uh, uh, physical conflict between people or among people who aren't abiding by the rules. and the. So when, when Bishop Sheen said, and this is so true, the cement of a communist society is hate and the bricks are persons reduced to the level of clay, and its architect is the devil who inspires the tyrannization of man through the exile of God. Boy, oh boy, look at our society and how we have exiled God out of it in so many areas of life. to the point where uh, you're not even supposed to mention God in public places for fear of offending. Well, you offend people, right? You offend the godless ones. You know, I still am amazed, and I'm sure maybe some of you are. I know my my, my parents you know, grew up in, in, in New York and, and New Jersey, North Jersey, and they would tell the story. They would tell us. My mom went to a, a public school in the Bronx, high school, um, in the late, I, mean, I don't want to make her older than she is, or she was, <laughs> in around 1940, and my dad went to high school in, in Weehawken, New Jersey, and they both would say it was not it was just part of the routine that they would every day at school start the school day off in public school by praying the Our Father. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And then we got to, was it Madeline Murray O'Hare? I think I said Murray. It was Madeline Murray O'Hare who uh, started the, um, the movement to remove prayer from schools. And I think she succeeded in 1960. And look what's happened to this country since 1960. You look at the, I, I look at the decade of the 1960s as the turning point of what happened to our culture. That was the pivotal point. You know, I think about 1960, and I remember 1960, I was in kindergarten, and what our society was like, what family life was like, what our culture was like, what the, the, the social condition of the nation was like in 1960, and compare that to what that decade became by the end in 1969. Just look at the way people dressed, (laughs) 
Look at the, uh, the you know, the, what, what happened. Well, prayer was taken out of schools for one. And we saw a rise in communism. In fact, we were close to being annihilated in 1962 as a result of the Cuban Missile Crisis. The entire world could have ended were it not for the, again, I believe, the prayer and the intercession of our Blessed Mother. I remember, and I'm sure many of you remember, praying. Uh, my dad would gather us all in our living room during those 10 days in October of 1962 and had us on our knees praying the rosary as a family to avoid war, World War III, So this is 1952 with Bishop Sheen, not not long before that decade. Uh, Another question that uh, he was asked, are you then discouraged by the state of morality today? Now, morality in 1952, (laughs) that that, that was, let's see, I Love Lucy was on television. Lucy and Ricky, who were married in real life, couldn't even appear in the same bed together in the television program because it was considered immoral. So this question there says, are you then discouraged by the state of morality today? And Bishop Sheen said, one is always discouraged by sin, but never discouraged by sinners, because the mercy of God is greater than sin. And that would apply to every age, wouldn't it, my friends? Think about that beautiful quote from Archbishop Sheen. One is always discouraged by sin, but never discouraged by sinners because the mercy of God is greater than sin. And then the final question was, well, then what does concern you? Bishop Sheen's response, overcoming evil by good, and by good is here meant not the mediocre goodness of man, but the divine goodness, who is Christ and who offers his redemption to men of goodwill. This is a secular magazine. (laughs) Secular magazine. And listen to this beautiful theology. When asked, what does concern you? Overcoming evil by good. And by good is here meant not the mediocre goodness of man, but the divine goodness who is Christ and who offers his redemption to men of goodwill. Beautiful. And then there was a little bit, a little snippet. I only have about a minute left, but I guess um, Catholic Digest magazine in 1952 did a little survey. I'll do these real quick if I can. And they found out that 99 out of 100 Americans believe in God. So that's 99 out of 100 said they believed in God. Other findings. In the education breakdown, college graduates showed the lowest percentage, 78% of positive believers in God. So it was the, quote-unquote, well-educated who were the least of the believers. Um, Upper Middle and lower income groups had about the same number of absolute believers. Among age groups, the over 65 bracket showed most positive believers, 91%. Um, 
which I think that probably if you took the same survey today, it would always be that way. I think the people who are closer to the exit ramp <laughs> of this life are the ones who believe more because they figure at this point, I better believe something's beyond here. I'm almost out of here, right? That's the beauty of, you know, this is the beauty of, of our faith and, and, the, and the truths of our faith. Is it, my friends, you know, when you talk about something like this? Is that we know this life and we leave this world, it's not the end. It's just the beginning. This is like spring training, what we're in right now. <laughs> when the, the, the game starts when we enter into the beatific vision. And it's a never-ending. It's eternal. Everything we have here is leading up to that. But anyway, I thought this is, this is again, a very interesting. The little magazine was called Quick, published, I guess, New York metro area, 1952. This is from October, October 20th, a news weekly. On the cover, our friend Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen talking about the seven deadly sins of our time, 1952. And he was just about to go into his second season of Life is Worth Living. So... Um, pretty neat, I think. Ten cents. The magazine costs ten cents, by the way. <laughs> so it goes into our archive here. We have wonderful archives of Bishop Sheen here at the Apostolate. Okay, I got to go. Uh, be here tomorrow, God willing. Hey, Friday, you want to join Cheryl and me? Father Jeff Kegley is going to join us, too. So I know many of you are uh, great admirers of our friend, Father Jeff Kegley. He'll be one of our guests. All right, have a great rest of your day. Stay cool. Stay calm. Stay collected. <laughs> I'll be with you again tomorrow, God willing. My name is Jim Anfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and God love you. Fire.